Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Second Take Podcast. This is in a bar, you don't have a tab, and I am Zane C. Weber. Oh, the milk went bad while I was in jail. And I'm Sebastian. Shut your raggedy ass up and sit the fuck down. I'm Alex. And today we are reviewing Jackie Brown, written and directed by Quentin Tarantino, starring Pam Greer, Samuel L. Jackson, Robert Forster, Bridget Fonda, Michael Keaton, Robert De Niro, Michael Bowen, Chris Tucker, Lisa Gay Hamilton, and Tommy Tiny Lister. Okay, Jackie Brown, Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. We just cut straight to Final Judgments. Actually, I was going to start the review with, I'm going to spoiler alert, this film gets a recommend for killing um, Chris Tucker. So, <laughs> so like, regardless of what things I will say about this film, just letting you know right now, it you know, does get a big green tick from me. You, you know what? I had never seen this film before. and I'm shocked. I like in the opening credits and it and says and um Chris Tucker as um whatever the guy's name was. And I was like, hmm, that seems like a cameo, <laughs> like a very short role. I was I was right. I didn't think I'd seen this movie going in. And then I started watching it. I was like, oh no, this is all very familiar. And I think I had watched it maybe and I was like between the ages of ten and fifteen, somewhere in there. Like Yeah. And yeah, but when I saw Chris Tucker's name come up, uh, it was more like, you know, in the end of the third of the Star Wars prequels where Darth Vader gets on his knees and screams, no, <laughs> it was kind of like that for me. And I was like, I, I fuck this movie. I can't go through this. And then, you know, 20 odd minutes in, I'm like, oh, this is made for me. Now I'm happy. Yeah, it worked out well. So production notes. Um, production. Actually, I, I've got one. So um, in the very start, um, like the very very start, like in the opening credits, where you're, it's following Jackie just going along. Just after that, and she's just gone through um the security checkpoint or whatever, and um she starts walking off. There's a gentleman that looks uncannily like Danny DeVito from behind. Good, that's yeah, nice. That's, uh, that's a that's a note. <laughs> Seb. Uh, Jackie Brown is an anagram for Jawbone Rick, which might be my new porn star name. Jawbone it's me, Rick. Jawbone Rick. What does that even mean? Uh, That's his new wrestling name. So this I is Tarantino's. <laughs> as of right now, this is Tarantino's uh, only film that has been an adaptation, because there was a book called Jackie Burke, right? Um, where and Jackie Burke was a white woman. And so he changed it to Jackie Brown specifically so that Pam Greer could could come in because her most famous character was Foxy Brown. Yep. During right. those old black exploitation films right. um, of the of the seventies. Uh, and this is uh, Samuel's favorite Tarantino movie, well, or at least he has been quoted saying that this is his favorite Tarantino. Fair enough. 
this is the movie that formed the uh, the basis of the the feud between Spike Lee and Tarantino, uh, because Spike Lee took an issue with the number of N bombs that were dropped in this movie. Uh, Samuel L, who had collaborated with Spike Lee a lot previously, took Tarantino's side. Uh, Weinstein, that gem of a human being. Uh, tried to mediate between them, but no, Spike Lee refused to uh, meet with him. So Who's I think he's a famous black filmmaker. Right. Yeah. So I was curious if a lot of that was maybe dropped in by Jackson himself or how much of it was scripted. I was, I was curious going through it. Who knows? Uh, Tarantino does love the word. Yeah. So I think it, it's definitely in there. It's hard because he's always, he, he works at Jackson so often though. Yeah. That it's all for me. I'm like, yeah. I, I mean, it could be. Well, I think Tarantino. working with Jackson so often mm-hmm. and in, with this kind of underworld character, you definitely get license to use it more often. Uh, yeah, context is everything. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and also the characters that are saying it, who they're saying it to. Yeah. Um, like I don't I don't find it offensive in any way, yeah. usually, in, unless it's intended as an insult. And even then it's the intention that does it, not the actual word. Yeah, like if we were watching Adventures of Tintin and it happened... But I, I have, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have feelings about hate speech anyway. Yeah. So uh, Tarantino was very disappointed that Pam Greer didn't get an Oscar nod for this movie. Okay. Um, wasn't nominated. Uh, I think if this movie came out now in this sort of Me Too post or post Me Too uh, atmosphere, I think she would definitely at least get a nomination for this performance. Um. And it was Samuel's L. Jackson's idea to give his character the long hair and the braided beard. And we all know that Samuel L. Jackson likes to make some aesthetic choices for his characters, usually purple ones. Purple's a good colour. Yeah, what's wrong with purple? Yeah, Zane, what's wrong with purple? Lightsabers, that's what's wrong with purple. That was the best. Okay, good, fine. I disagree. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What is next? Or do you have more Uh, trivia? Because I can talk about being Jawbone Rick, the porn star slash gangster slash professional wrestler for a lot longer if I need to. I'm calling your bluff. Do it. So he's called Jawbone Rick because he's from the South. Not of Australia, though. That's weird. He didn't get more culturally diverse and drink like lattes and cappuccinos. He's from the South of America. Some could say he's a Texan. They would be right. But many people do say things about him. Not all of them are true. But occasionally, if you listen to the wind, you hear whispers of what could be fact. He's more of a legend than a man, although he is actually also a man. It's worth noting he's a real guy. He exists. But also, he has been likened to, like, the Hydra in Greek mythology. But he's not Greek. Can we clarify that right now? He's from Texas. Born and bred. Bred? Led. Led in the Alamo. The end. Wasn't very long, was it? It felt like it went for days. Did it not go for days? <laughs> Maybe we- just over a minute. I expect you guys to look back at me, and I would just be like a skeleton with a beard. <laughs> like That's old- what I was hoping for. Yeah, and then here you are. Yep, I was hoping to. All right, let's go. Travel. Let's go on to movie babies. Movie babies. I had be cool um, yeah. mixed with uh, catch me if you can. Right, I had. Like get shorty with, along the same lines, mm. um, but yeah, I'm struggling. But 
I'm, like get shorty like it and I mean it's not just the facsimile reservoir of... dogs <laughs> even um, actually on Clockwork the... Orange I don't know Though Any of those. Matt Damon film, The Informant, would be a nice for me a substitute in for Catch Me If You Can as well. I think it was a couple. Of Informant like, is actually one of my babies, and oh, Reservoir sorry. Dogs. Oh, um, you, you can't get past Reservoir Dogs because it has a lot of those, uh, like what Tarantino calls hangout scenes, where it is just kind of people talking, and it doesn't form their yeah. characters and the setting. It doesn't really further the plot though. Yeah. Um, like talking about guns. Just, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's just. Tweet nopsises. Uh Pretty much everyone dies. It's just like at the end of The Departed, except it's much less exciting and not everyone dies, but pretty much kind of similar. And I'm running out of characters around about. Okay. <laughs> That's what you get. <laughs> um, a lady gets set up and wants to set them up instead and then gets some money. Hashtag Spain. Spain? Just like, just like I heard you right. She goes to Spain. Yep. Spoiler. Tarantino's most undeservedly underrated film. Hashtag watch it. Oh, we are going to fight today. That's exciting. I was worried this would be a really peaceful review. Oh. It's going to chuck it in just just as a header. And no, we'll let's start with bad. Go on. I was going to say, this isn't a bad film at all. This is my least favorite Tarantino film I've ever seen. Um, oh. I, I haven't seen The Hateful Eight yet, so I can't yeah, say so whether I prefer that or not. Ever seen, though, so... Yeah, yeah, the ones I've seen, seen but I've pretty, as far as I'm aware, I've seen them all except for the Hateful Eight. So, yeah, this know. one. Have you seen Death Proof? Yeah, hmm. it's fun. I agree. Is it? Is it? It's close to my favorite Tarantino. Yeah, I mean, it's exciting. I'm like, we are reviewing it as part of the series, aren't we? Yep. Are we in Planet Terror as well, or just Death Proof? Just Death Proof. Oh, he only directed a scene in Planet Terror. But like, and if we're doing that, then he's directed a lot of different movies. Yeah. Um, but I just, if we're going to talk about bad, you know, how, like everyone has like, yeah, Tarantino's style when it comes to those just, what did Zane refer to them as? The chatty scenes? What do you, what do you call them? The hangout yeah. scenes. Wonderful. I really enjoy those scenes. However, I did not enjoy any of them in this film. I didn't find the characters to be, even in their own little weird ways, in like exciting or intriguing for me. These scenes were just for me, filler, and normally I get really into them. So I'm not sure whether he was just restricted to the fact that this wasn't his story, but it just didn't pop for me this time around. Yeah. Alex? I had never seen this before. I did not know what to expect at all, except when it started, then I knew exactly what to expect, which was a Tarantino film. <laughs> like the, I have no like real other way to explain it, but his films feel the same to me like it felt very pulp fiction um, yeah it felt like i think tarantino Django. has a very has a very strong voice and these movies that are written kind of in the same time frame where yeah. and all the characters do speak similarly yeah and like even some of the the shots like at the, at the start um where lewis and nordell hanging out with Melanie and she puts her toe on the glass like just like little shots like that which very like close up and like there's one thing happening on it like I think it happened a couple of times with like maybe a lighter or something you know just like little bits like that where that was just the shot was the one thing that didn't have much to do with any of the story but it just that Tarantino like yeah um but like I didn't dislike that about the film 
I think this is Tarantino's. This is Tarantino proving he can make a straight beginning to end movie, like a bad way to put it, like a, a normal film. Yeah, yeah. Like all of his other stuff, there's a lot of like cutting between times and places. There's a, a lot of non-linear storytelling. There's a lot of like hyper-stylized stuff. Like none of that is really in here. You have his his standard, uh, his hangout scenes, that kind of dialogue that he builds, but you don't get a lot of what he moves into, which is taking a genre and incorporating his style into a genre, whereas mm. this this story is its own genre, this this crime drama sort of thing. Uh, and so this is him proving that I, I, I like to think of it as his him paying his dues. Mm. Um, Even his violence was underplayed compared to normal. Like yeah. the most violent death we get is when they kill um, – Oh, I've just drawn a blank on the actor's name, Robert De Niro's character. Yes. Yeah. And that's just the blood splatter in the car. But when we get Samuel Jackson's death, it's very limited on the blood. And we don't even see um, when De Niro kills the woman yeah. in the parking lot. He just turns around off camera, shoots her. Yeah. Which for yeah. him is, yeah, like we, we've seen his films. We know that he tends to play up that kind of stuff. But in here it was just, it is what it is. And so like a lot of the other Tarantino stuff that we've spoken about, like, I view this as just kind of a straight pyramid of a movie. Like he sets the base, he builds up the drama, he adds in the characters on top of that, and then the plot is kind of the the, the top of it and everything. So it's whilst the smallest part, it's the part that kind of everything else is supporting. Mm. Um, so I don't have a lot bad to say about Jackie Brown. He did play with the timing of the story a little bit towards the, the, end, the end of the like, scene with the taking the, of the bag yeah. from the... Yes, yeah. And I... I to I, see the three different points of, points yeah. of view. Which I... I was, this isn't yeah. a bad thing. I think that played really, really well yeah. just because for me, this movie, like I said, not bad, but comparatively to a lot of his work, very, for me, tonally flat. Like it just tells like one consistent story the way through and it didn't have those big pop moments for me, which mm. I always associate with Tarantino just doing something that's absolutely... I don't want to call it bonkers because it feels like it's unintentional, but it's the fully intentional drop of chaos he tends to put into his films. This film for me was just very slow in that regard. So having that moment where it's like, oh, okay, now we're doing something a little bit interesting with the way the film's been shot really woke me up in it. So that's, a, I mean, that's a good thing though. Yeah. Well, I, the same thing could be said for Reservoir Dogs, except it's only, it's only the first act, whereas this one is the first and second acts. Yeah. Uh, Reservoir Dogs kind of you got all that supporting material in the first act and then the action starts and it's all about unraveling who's doing what and what happened in this big section of the story that happened off screen. Yeah. And in Reservoir um, Dogs I say it's more of an in- their conversations obviously after the you know the heist goes wrong and everything. Yeah. Everything is so much more intense whereas yes. all the meetings Jackie's having with the police in this and with the bail bondsman and even with Samuel Jackson's character like I know that these are all, you know, all in all, it's a dangerous situation. These are dangerous people, but it was only odd moments here and there that I felt scared. Like I, yeah. like Samuel Jackson plays an unhinged character, like well, like he does in every <laughs> film. So I'm always got that bit of with him in a film in these films. I'm always like, is this the scene where you're just going to shoot someone? Like I, I never know if he's going for the gun or not. Yeah, yeah. Did and not that, expect it at the start with um, Chris Tucker. Yeah, so happy for it though. But but. Yeah. Every other scene didn't have that for me. Like I was waiting for him to kill De Niro's character for yeah. so many other reasons than when he finally did it, which is good. Like I'm happy to be like yeah. surprised when it finally does happen. Yeah. But I didn't have that for Jackie. I didn't have that lingering dread that I think 
this film would have been benefited if it did just to make it more I think something just something just honestly to, yeah. I think that ties into her character like she doesn't have that lingering dread she has this kind of very careful pacing considered way of approaching this whole situation I think the movie is reflecting her personal mm. cat or her character's journey through it and that's why it isn't in a lot of like when you go to Django so you you get this kind of again we're following his journey well we start out following someone else's but and then when it goes into action like it's just like it's literally a bloodbath yeah mm. um whereas in this movie like it's not about killing it's about inching her way through this in the right way so that she doesn't die and she wins and she gets out oh, I, I, yeah. i'm not saying i wanted like more action i just wanted her i wanted to feel like more like she was walking on eggshells because I didn't feel like she, I, I knew she was in danger because I'm watching the film, but I never felt that dread that right. she could go wrong. It could go wrong at any minute. Mm. Like the stakes were there. I just did never felt like they were real. Does that I, make sense? Like I can see them I on disagree, screen. Yeah. But yeah, I, 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 yeah. I definitely felt that like that was, that was a specific choice yeah. um, when it came to the, both the performance and, and the, uh, the script. Okay. So well, that was bad. Do you guys want to talk about good then, I guess? Or is there anything else that was... Every single performance is really solid in this movie from like the ditzy girl to the interaction between uh, like just Samuel L and everyone. Like I think this really sold Samuel mm. L in the rest of Tarantino's stuff. Like this is what kind of broke him broke him into this character. I wasn't expecting yeah. to see Michael Keaton in this film actually. That caught me off guard. Yeah. yeah, and he was solid. Yeah, he was good. But he, he's such a—he's the actor that you're like from Beetlejuice. You expect to be playing a little <laughs> bit crazy, but they played him once again, just very straight. Like that is what he is. He's yeah. a, actually—I mean, he had a couple of you know, frantic-ish bits, but they were really subdued for that actor. Yeah. So yeah. I, I do agree. There must be an active choice here for everyone: calm your tits and action. Kind yeah. Of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean yeah. I, the performance was great. The script was great. The director was great. Like, I, I feel like that's all, was, all the basis for saying. Yeah, I mean, like, there was nothing, like, outrageously, like, oh, my God, like, watch it for this specific thing. It was just, like, all came together really and well and it made a solid movie. That, yeah, and that's like, why I, if I don't watch it for a year or so, I kind of forget how much I like it. Mm. And then when I go back and watch it, I'm like, oh, this is just really good. Mm. Really, like, even if I've got it in the background, I'll be drawn into it, um, mm. which is not something I can say for many uh, movies. So I don't, I don't really know what else to say. Like, it's uh, the dialogue is great. Uh, Pam Greer is fantastic. Yeah, she worked it. I had no idea who she was, but, like, she's solid. Yeah, mm. Pam Greer, bless her heart. No, Seb doesn't like Pam Greer. We were talking about how calm she was in the entire film, and that, that's fine. But I just, I, she has more range than she gave in this movie. I will and that say for that's me was a not detriment. Her, like she, she was fa- became famous playing like this a dynamic, yeah, black Foxy Brown. <laughs> like <laughs> this, that is definitely a choice or a direction uh, or both. Uh, so there's that. We want to see what she's done lately. She's in bad grandmas. Ugh, okay, good, good. Yeah, uh, it's the lady version of bad grandpa. Oh, really? Yeah. 
I thought it was like going on the premise of like bad mom and all bad moms and bad moms too. Oh, oh maybe you are right. I oh, not she was in Smallville. Yeah, she was Amanda Waller, the bad guy lady from Suicide Squad. Oh, right. Yeah. And she was in the L word. Ooh, fancy. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's me, so I'm going to say this. It's a long movie. Yeah. I didn't feel it. The perfect length. I did feel it because it was so tonally neutral for so much. That's why I was like, I didn't need it to be like crazy, but a couple of more, like, that's why I would have been for me, if I felt like she was in a lot more danger, it could have been like this really long drawn out tense situation for me, which I could have attached more to, but because I never felt like things weren't working out for her and it went for so long, I'm like, I'm just watching a person succeed un, un-, un- you know, approached for by 155 minutes, which is fine. It was well done. It just lacked drama for me. And because it went for so damn long, it was a long time of no drama for me. But they did kill Chris Tucker. So that brings me back into the tick column about how annoying was he? Not as annoying as he was in Rush Hour 3, but still pretty annoying. And they got him good. Yeah. I did miss the point, though. Why did he kill him? Because he was going to talk. So he bailed him out. Yeah, so he ha- he he bailed him out so that he could kill him before he gave. Yeah, but he'd already given information out, ah. and that's what led to the whole yeah mess that happened. Mm. I did like the argument about not getting into the trunk of the car, though. That was funny. <laughs> yeah, classic yeah. Tarantino. Yep. All right. Is there anything else you guys want to touch on? I mean, I this has gone really short at all, but. It has gone really short because there's nothing bad to say about it and there's nothing and like you said there's not a lot of drama to talk about like yeah. the camera work is great like this birthed a couple of Tarantino tropes like uh the video camera inside the trunk looking out uh and then there's a long shot as she's as they're walking out of the bar like a, and the foot shot again um yeah. just things like that like I don't know that yeah there wasn't like too much is really going on. It was really it was atmospheric. On, but yeah. yeah, so good. Well, I think that's that's it. Like, is good script, good direction, good performances. The music was great. Yeah, and it's stood up to the test of time. It's kept well. De Niro and uh, and Samuel L. and Michael Keaton and Pam Grier has gone off the rails since two thousand and twelve, but. More Pam Greer, please. If I could, Let's get her an Oscar. If I could point out two performances, though, I did enjoy De Niro, and I haven't got the actor's name in front of me, but the gent that played the the bondsman, the main oh, one that yeah, was working yeah. alongside Jackie, um, he was really good too. He played really solid guy that's like walking the Robert line. Robert Forster. He yeah. really reminded me of Columbo. Really, for some reason. Yeah. Like really, Columbo. Of- he reminded me of a less racist, less angry Clint Eastwood. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Apparently, Robert Forster hadn't, uh, didn't have representation and, and just had auditioned for a couple things for Tarantino. And then he wrote this specifically for him. Oh, De Niro nice. wanted to play Max Cherry, but ended up taking uh, Lewis instead. Now, it was, is Max Cherry, is, is it the Cherry Cigarettes? Is that what the Tarantino ones are? Yes, I believe so. Is he. Is that is that the connected universe bull crap that he yeah. started the cigarette company with the money from this movie or what? Uh maybe. I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah. I I don't buy into that much at all. So Yeah, I was just curious if anyone was gonna know it'd be you. 
Uh, no, probably Shane is Anderson it, would be the one to ask. Is it, is it cherry or cherry wood cigarettes? Oh, both ring a bell. Maybe it's apple. Is it apple wood? What? what? Maybe it's apple wood cigarettes. I should definitely know this. It might not even be cherry at all. Ugh, guys, cover me. I'm Googling. Yes. Covering. So De Niro got a hold of the script before he'd basically spoken to Tarantino. And so he was quite set on playing Max Cherry. Um, but Tarantino had actually written it for Robert Forster, who, had, who he had seen and was impressed with, but hadn't cast in anything else. Uh, it's red apple cigarettes. So hey. ignore me. I'm just mixing my fruit up. Or at least they're both red. Red apple. Classic set. So nothing so. to do with Max Cherry, which, by the way, how cool of a name is Max Cherry? It's, uh, it's half cool. Cherry good name. Let's end this review now, please. Before. I don't want to. Okay, well, let's talk about, let's talk about Tarantino. So the novel <laughs> was written by a guy called Elmore Leonard. Uh, Ray Nicolette, played by Michael Keaton, mm. um, also appears in a movie Out of Sight, which is also based on an Elmore Leonard book, and so right. Michael Keaton played that as well. Cool. So it's not connected Tarantino-verse, but it's an Elmore Leonard-verse. Right, let's finish. Nice. Yes, this That's is a cool. yes from me. Everyone should watch this movie at least once a year. Right. I'm not going to go on the bandwagon with once a year, but definitely give it a go. It's not a terrible film. It like uh, For me, it didn't feel like it dragged on. It was totally okay throughout the whole film. And like there were good performances and there's bits of action. And it keeps you enticed. I liked it. This for me is easily Tarantino's worst film, but it did include putting Chris Tucker in a small place, leaving him there for three minutes, and then opening it up and shooting him in the face. So it does get a recommend. Um, there you go. But he's got a lot of better films out there. Well, from my perspective, anyway. Um, I just, well, you've heard my problems with this film, but it was competently made, tells a nice story. I just thought if it had a bit more drama in it, I would have really latched onto it because the stuff was there, the material was there, the tone just, for me, wasn't. But it's a good film. Fair enough. There you go. So, Zane, we started our new segment last week with, sorry, earlier this week, I believe, with Ant-Man and the Wasp, but we take a contender from one film, put them into the arena, and then next week select a contender to see who you think could take them on. And you have Scott Lang, Ant-Man. Who from this film do you think could take him in a fight and why? Ordell Robbie, Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. Because I think Ant-Man, while smart and has shrinking slash growing powers, not too fond of killing people, whereas uh, Ordell Robbie doesn't really need an excuse to kill someone and if he has a gun, he's all the more likely to do it. And gun versus the Ant-Man suit, once there's a hole in it, can't shrink anymore or grow anymore. Hmm. All right. Yeah. Time for our votes. Seb, you I'm, I'm going to impose some thinking music into my own head that we will not edit into the episode. Correct. But I'm going to give, I'm going to go with what Zane has suggested. The edge of having a character from like an MA or R rated film attacking a kid film, a kiddie film superhero for me also comes down to, I think he's just going to shoot first, you know? Yeah. Yep. Definitely. And so, killer instinct. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And just the willingness to like literally squish him to death with and, a boot. You know, Ordell is a bad motherfucker. Yep. And I mean, you can play into like, you know, Nick Fury. He knows what he's talking about when it comes to Ant Man. I'm happy to play some joint universe crap here. Who knows? It's fine. Sure. 
<laughs> Good. Dick Fury's um, tombstone did have the line from Pulp Fiction written on it. It's canon in my brain, damn it. But yeah, no, cool. it's, um, I agree I think Pulp Fiction is canon in the Marvel Universe. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> like the movie existing as a movie in the Marvel Universe. It's like that old movie in the snow with the walkers, right? Spider-Man, the AT-AT. It uh, it's fine. Uh, Star Trek. People listening understood that. Right. Star Wars. I don't care. You do care. You I do don't. this to upset those sure. same people. We're good? People, yep. There you, you go. Come so what was, his, what was his full name again? Our champion? Ordell Robbie. Ordell Robbie. Well, he goes through to the next round. There's a very good chance either next week or the week after he's going to take on Pierce Brosnan from Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, which I'm <laughs> I super I wonder. Ex- I'm super excited. I wonder what's going to happen. Mm. Well, what was the other film we're doing as well? Uh, we're doing Mamma Mia and then we're doing Reservoir Dogs. Oh, so there could be a good contender from Reservoir Dogs coming through. Depends who I pick. I might just want Ordell Robbie to go all the way through. <laughs> well, he'll have to go up against my Mamma Mia pick, choice. I might pick Quentin Tarantino for, <laughs> as a fun. So, die in the opening of the movie? Are we, go, are we going to have it like from from a pool of like ten films? Like if they get through to ten films, and we start again so that they can like get to the the next like ten. Uh, the way I had envisioned it was we just go until we're bored with this and then crown the reigning champion. But like correction. But, fair enough. We go with it till Seb's bored with it. I said until I'm bored with it. I didn't I didn't you hide said that. We. Oh, did I said no, until I'm bored with it, <laughs> right. until I get antsy about like we need to change things. You know, it's good. Fair. It's good. Okay. Until I start shaking with anticipation. Anticipation. That no. worked a lot last week. It would stop. Yeah. Stop. I'm pressing stop. Okay, thank you for listening, everyone. So if you want to get in contact with us, there are a number of ways to do it. You can go to our website, which is secondtakepodcast.com. Or you can email us, because we have one of those things. We are secondtakepodcast at gmail.com. And always we've got Facebook, you know, Facebook slash second take. Is that right? Sure. Yeah, yeah sure, that yeah. one. Or second take podcast, you, you find it. Yeah. And Twitter. At second take TNC, or we we have an Instagram. Funnily enough, sometimes we post video. No, well, actually, we have no videos. No videos of some pictures yet. though that are funny. There, there was a quite a smart tweed jacket on there the other day. Oh yes, yeah. Uh, I got bored. Um, <laughs> really. Also, um, if you guys want to support the show, we also have a link to our Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash second take. Um, this is a, a, a big variety of ways that you guys can give to us. It starts as little as $1 per month, which is 12 bucks a year. And it's it's pretty, pretty low and pretty simple. But we've also got sort of a group goal going at the moment there. So once we hit our first target, which is collectively uh, $50 a month, we're going to release uh, all of our reviews of the Monty Python film series. Uh, and then yes. the idea is ongoing from there for every little milestone we hit, we're going to do extra series for everyone. So sort of a... So please go on and sponsor us so that we can review the Monty Pythons because I can't watch them until then. It's true. We're not it's, allowed to watch any yeah. movies unless we're reviewing them. <laughs> and the yeah, if you want to have a listen to any of the other podcasts that any of us are on, um, go to that's not kind of productions.com, which is the mothership for all of the other po- all of our other podcasts. Yeah. yeah. In one of them, I'm a wizard. It's pretty good. Yeah. And I get to torture that wizard. It's even better. <sighs> and maybe just one day... There'll be solo podcasts that we do. That solo you can find podcasts? There. Yeah, where we just talk 
at ourselves. Yeah. Yep. The good. best kind of Fun. podcast. No interruptions, right? Oh, you'd be surprised. <laughs> none of, none of this over talking of each other. <laughs> <laughs> I do like to think fans will literally pause just to be like, that's that's not true. <laughs> that's not how that works. <laughs> just because it's you in the room by yourself, Seb, doesn't mean you're incorrect. Anyway, it's fine. <laughs> good. Good. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, thanks very much for listening. And go do all the things on social media. Hooray. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.